Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. Good afternoon, welcome back to another episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast. This week I have the pleasure of being joined by Janardin Dalmia, the founder and CEO of Truckin. JD is an experienced finance professional involved in investing uh, and organizing capital uh, raising for private equity and venture capital. He's a wealth of experience across New York uh, and London as well. Uh, uh, New York and Dubai predominantly. Dubai yeah. as well, yeah. So uh, spent 10 years working in uh, wealth management, uh, investment banking firms like Barclays. Uh, JD realized that there is a transportation uh, shift uh, and that the industry in the Middle East was still waiting for their industry 4.0 moment and we'll talk about what that what that is. So in 2017 he founded Truckin uh, which is a technology driven enablement platform uh, that is revolutionizing the transport industry in the Middle East and Pakistan. Uh, so we'll talk about those markets uh, and yeah uh, on the show today we'll talk about the idea uh, how to move careers from uh, investment banking into uh, a startup, and then about the trends uh, in logistics and transport as well. Welcome, JD. Thank you, Richard. Thank you. For Thanks for coming me. in, and glad to be back in the studio. Thank you for having me again. Uh, so, so how did Truckin start? So Truckin uh, really started. Uh, you know, there was a you know, as with all the startups, there was a there was a moment when the idea was incubated. And uh, if I were to remember back, this was back in 2015. I was traveling to Saudi and I was in a large, uh, you know, I was in a room with the CEO of a fairly large public company. And we started discussing about, you know, logistical requirement for his own company. And um, while discussing, he was talking about the pain points that he was facing with the legacy transporters, right? Um, and at the same time, uh, there were multiple startups which were emerging across the globe, uh, you know, from India to U.S., who were trying to revolutionizing, uh, revolutionize how long-haul uh, road transport movements are done in an mm. asset-light model. There were a lot of things which we had learned from Ubers and Kareems of the world, right, mm. uh, in terms of what is sharing economy, what is on-demand, how okay. to build business asset-light and, you know, focusing on service. And that's really where the idea was kind of, you know, the spark had happened. And then when I started looking and digging more into uh, the industry, then one thing led to the other and finally Truckin was born. Okay. So as the description mentioned, enablement platforms. So you're not necessarily <clears throat> building trucks, you're building a platform to enable uh, legit companies connect with drivers and, and other? Yeah, that is correct. I think, you know, usually you would see in uh, startups, you know, people go after disrupting a certain kind of mm. sector and industry. And this is one thing which I always say, we are not a disruptor. We are an enabler. We are not here to disrupt anyone's business, but rather, you know, making it more efficient by enabling certain things, mm. how shippers, uh, you know, send their request regarding, you know, uh, sending their shipments. How do they load, right? Uh, equally on the transportation side, how do these guys find jobs? How do they execute it? How do they get paid? So we are enabling a highly 
fragmented and disorganized market which already existed mm. out there. Okay, we'll talk about the kind of industry where it was and where it's going as well. But so how has trucking gone? So idea to founding in 2017, uh, how did you put together the team? How did you go around the business plan and how's it gone? So far, <laughs> so with any startup, look the day one. Uh, you know, any founder when he dreams about a startup, you think overnight it'll be a major success, etc. And uh, you know, and then the reality sets in <laughs> yeah. that you know to build any business, it's a really daunting task. Uh, but we are fortunate uh, that we, we started our business in mid 2017 from UAE, and subsequently we launched our business in Saudi in a few months' time, and both the countries we call as our home markets. So at the end of 2017, you launched in Saudi, similar yes. time so to so we were, we were already in Saudi by that time. Yeah, it's uh, a good time given the kind of opening up of the market as Absolutely, well. and I think Saudi and UAE predominantly, uh, you know, have the major lion's share of the business in mm. the GCC, mm. so anyone who does, you know, well within UAE and Saudi can go and uh, pretty much capture the rest of the GCC and beyond. Yeah. Uh, so that was the idea. So, and you, so you you opened as in you were you were building the platform or you actually had customers from the end we, of we actually had customers. So when we say we were present means we were physically present that we were servicing the clients uh, yeah. from both the geographies. Yeah. Uh, and then servicing the clients to almost 10 to 12 countries now. You yeah. know, the trucks kind of go to almost 10 12 countries. So so that's how we started back in uh, 2017. Yeah. Okay. And how's it gone from there? Uh, so far, so good. I think, you know, uh, with with any startup, um, you know, it goes through a certain evolutionary phase. Yeah. Um, you had asked about how do we build the team. And look, building the right team is always the most challenging uh, part of any business. Um, you know, finding the like-minded people who believe in a contrarian truth and then kind of, you know, provide that support uh, is always very challenging. Uh, but, you know, I think it's a matter of luck and it's also a matter of uh, instilling the right culture in the in the team or in the organization because, you know, you can hire the first 10 and the first 10 then goes and hire the, the next 20, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so we have been very particular in terms of, um, you know, how we choose our uh, team members who join and, you know, follow certain, you know, philosophies in terms of hire slow and fire fast uh, but the main thing is we we don't look for people kind of you know to use and abuse in a way for us anyone who joins our uh, company becomes the part of our trucking family yeah. and we truly invest time energy uh, with them and we value their experience which they bring on their table which yeah. could be completely from a different uh, field mm. so uh, we have been fortunate in terms of finding the right set of people who who have been there throughout this journey and taking yeah. it forward. Interesting. You mentioned the trucks. Do you have a fleet of trucks or is it a SaaS product and a platform? So uh, we are an aggregator, which means we are an asset light model where yeah. we don't own any of the assets. Mm. But what we do is in the market, almost 75 to 80% of the transportation market comprises of highly fragmented, disorganized, you know, small number of fleet owners, the guys who own one truck, two truck, three trucks. You know, these are the guys who have come from whether India or Pakistan and, you know, they have been, you know, working very hard here. Uh, they eat what they kill, right, at the end of the month. And these guys have uh, were historically always uh, dependent on multiple layers of middlemen. Mm. And uh, they did not have a lot of efficiency, not of, uh, they could not provide the service levels 
which you need to provide to service an institutionalized, uh, you know, company or a corporate, right? Mm. And that's where we come in and we fill in that gap mm. that, you know, we we enable those guys uh, to work directly through us, service the company, mm. and while providing the whole 24-7, you know, institutionalized service, which mm. a corporate demands. Mm. Okay, so explain to me the, the analogy of the story of the CEO uh, I'm the CEO of a big listed company, it's retail, it's manufacturing or whatever, and I have a lot of uh, transport requirements. What's my procurement decision process and at what point do I do I sign off a budget to use trucking? So historically, if you're CEO of a large uh, retail company, you have been dependent on you know asset owners, right? And whether the market has gone through several kind of fluctuations, uh, whether you have not benefited from those you know, fluctuations and you have always been dependent on certain legacy transporters who have not really cared about improvising the service levels to the modern standard uh, with the, you know, not infusing really the technology. So the way things have been operating within your own organization would have been pretty archaic way. And similarly, the transporters who have been providing the service uh, they they themselves haven't found that efficiency mm. in terms of let's say backloads and you know efficiency in terms of uh, optimizing several things which you can with the help of technology mm. so our proposition is very simple we are not here to uh, dismantle or you know create an issue for you uh, in terms of your service but rather what we are there to do is so that you can focus on your product let the logistics be taken care by us so we are, we do not have the vendor mindset we have the partner mindset right we 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 want to study in depth about what your requirements are yeah. and how best can we service that with the help of several transporters which are out there in the yeah. market right okay. so rather than being dependent on one or two or three we can open up the whole supply uh, you know uh, side of hundreds of transporters right yeah and one could be very good at providing certain thing while the other could be very good at providing certain things so thereby we come and digitize your process yeah by taking care of you know logistics is seamless so that's kind of our headache and at the same time we provide a value add for the transporters mm. so that when they go from point a to point b we are able to provide them the back load etc etc you know and how uh, the technology how does that work so, look, technology is an evolving, uh, uh, you know, solution. And uh, with the help of technology, what happens, for example, for a company, you get transparency, you get efficiency, you are able to make uh, data-driven decisions, right, which was kind of lacking in the background. So, you know, simple things from the tracking and, you know, digitizing, you know, going uh, paperless in many ways uh, and having a real-time update or the flick of a button, whether it's your app or, you know, or sitting on a web platform. So all those things kind of help a lot from mm. the company's uh, perspective and similarly from the transporter's perspective. Yeah. So are people uh, working with trucking in terms of, is it, are they licensing, uh, is it a SaaS model or are they some managed services? No, so, so far there is no SaaS model for okay. us. We, we do not charge any of our clients to use our systems. Yeah. We, we provide them uh, this as a solution yeah. so that they can adopt into the new way of doing things. Yeah, yeah, okay, no problem. So do you have to have a relationship with all the different vendors, with all the different logistics providers? And can you just describe for people who don't understand the industry well, 
you mentioned the kind of uh, one man shop sort of uh, man with a van sort of thing, but there's fleet uh, management companies. There's uh, lots of different providers. There's well known uh, names like I've I've heard a lot of things lately about um, you know well we talk about last mile delivery, but we also talk about uh, big e-commerce companies partnering with uh, national postal services, uh, different types of logistics providers. So, and then there's the international ones uh, like UPS and, and et cetera. What's the kind of landscape and who do you work with? So think of it as we are not the last mile company, right? We focus on the first mile or the mid mile or the second mile, however you want to uh, call it. <laughs> So these are, you know, uh, we, the distance of the journey. Yeah. Yeah. So we we focus on intercity, intracity. Here you can call countries, right? Because it's a yeah. such a unique landscape, Middle East. Because at the same time you're dealing with like so many different countries, right? Mm. So whenever someone is trying to send, um, you know, so our customers are corporates. We deal in B two B business, yeah. uh, where you know factories producing goods. And those goods need to be shipped to a you know another factory or a warehouse okay. or a distribution or retail wherever it needs to go. Yeah. Uh, whether so in the country or outside the country. Scale than a, Absolutely. Yeah. So these are you know recurring high volume large customers who who have you know a significant requirement uh, of moving you know cargo. Yeah. Uh, high valuable cargo. Yeah. And that's where we focus on. When you look at the landscape. The landscape has, you know, either you are a fleet owner and the fleet owner could be a large, medium, small fleet owner, depending on the number of mm. assets you own. Mm. And then there are who we call independent truck drivers, mm. which dominates the majority of the market, um, who, as I was mentioning, were, have been historically dependent on middlemen mm. uh, in terms of providing them with jobs and, you know, those things. But as an individual, one can only provide a certain level of, uh, you know, in, they cannot provide the institutionalized support, mm. which is what the corporates need. So there was a clear gap in the market, right? Yeah. Uh, so this is where trucking comes in. And to the corporate, they get the assurance of, you know, a, a proper institution serving them mm. uh, in terms of taking care of the transportation needs. And the same comfort is provided then to the independent truck drivers or okay. the fleet owners. So we work a lot with fleet owners as well. The guys who own a lot of trucks or, you know, have number of assets. To them, we are another marketing channel. Uh, we increase the asset utilization for a lot of them uh, in terms of, you know, providing the loads from a particular point or, you know, back loads, etc. Okay, interesting. So talking about kind of starting the company again and your career, uh, how did you... How, how does the career and in investment backing help this? And uh, yeah. <laughs> is, is it are you involved in the finance? And how how does that help? So I get this a lot. Like you know, <laughs> so investment banking was a very different career, uh, and then you know, coming into uh, you know, startup, uh, startup is, is a very very yeah. uh, a very different um, two 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 completely different uh, industries and sectors. I think, look, any kind of experience which you build over time is always helpful, right? And yeah. I, I give a lot of my credit um, to whatever I'm doing uh, to the experience that I had gathered doing M&A or investment banking over the last, you know, for, for over 10 years mm. uh, in New York and in Dubai. Uh, but those are things which you kind of connect back in dots, right? What banking taught me is in terms of how, uh, you know, an idea can or a business can be scaled how okay. how large you can build it right 
and how you can drive a shareholder value around it mm. uh, and while servicing you know all the stakeholders inside it mm. so there were a lot of small things which you kind of pick up and you learn and that definitely helps in terms of your own understanding yeah. of how to build the business you know how the corporate finance works uh, mm. behind the business mm. uh, and and i think you know i i appreciate the experience which i, yeah. which I gathered yeah i i think that's a really good example because often we talk about startups as kind of venture and different types of investment but what's made the world go around money makes world go around but is uh is corporate finance and structuring uh capital to help businesses grow so you would have had a real insight across different industries why choose the transportation and logistics industry and that's a great question and i think this is where the investment banking experience really helped me because mm. you know while i was uh, you know thinking through this opportunity uh, the idea was going into this was really understanding how big this business can become mm. in the future right and it all started from understanding, you know, what the market size of this uh, sector is. It's a fifty yeah. billion dollar market, you know, uh, between Middle East and Pakistan. The, the areas where we figure? operate, GCC and Pakistan, fifty billion dollars. Okay. Uh, so that's uh, that's logistics. That's not freight. That's just on ground. Yeah, trucks, yeah there's transport. a huge. That, you know, logistics comprises of a few things, but even from the road transport sector, it's mm. like, you know, it's it's like, you know, multi-billion dollar market, right? Okay. It's almost close to 50, you know, even if we just look at the road transport market with yeah. the GCC and uh, okay. Pakistan. Okay. So, you know, that's where the finance skills kind of come in and you start, you know, back calculating uh, or you take the top-down approach mm. that, okay, what's the market size available? You know, what are the players in the business? You know, what kind of, uh, you know, landscape? there is the room for you to play and how big you can scale it to. Yeah. So the scaling and, you know, the size of the market, uh, you know, the need of the market, kind of all those things, um, banking teaches you to kind of look into what matters, right? Yeah. Was there another industry or an idea that came close? Like you're in the, obviously people talk about the banks being disrupted and there's a lot of kind of innovation in fintech. Was that something that appealed to you? Uh, look, fintech, Definitely is a very interesting sector, which has been, uh, you know, uh, making a lot of noise over the last many years. Uh, but personally, I, I never kind of went okay, into yeah. fintech. Even this logistics happened by chance. It was not that one day I decided that, oh, I want to leave banking and I want to do this. Yeah. It was more when I came across the idea and when I saw the uh, the different dynamics around, you know, the sector, mm. and it was pretty clear that there is going to be a big revolution uh, coming around uh, in the logistics sector. And if yeah. I don't do it, someone will someone do it anyways, right? right? Uh, so it was more like I got sucked into it. The more and more I researched about the sector, yeah. and um, you know, obviously, then it was that look, it's now or never because you know, with every passing year, the opportunity cost to move into something, doing something else, kind yeah. of incre increases, right? Yeah. So, so for us, uh, so you know, I just got sucked into it. I was super excited about the idea. And, uh, you know, I decided to, uh, you know, take a plunge. <laughs> cool. Uh, so when you started, did you raise funds at the start? So initially we did our own investment. Yeah. We brought in some initial backers in terms of angel investors. Also, there's a public company in Saudi, uh, Batek, uh, which is uh, one of our, you know, backers. What industry are they in? Uh, they're also in logistics okay. industry. Okay. Uh, they're a holding company which owns multiple assets. Yeah. Um, then, uh, you know, last year we brought in a small, uh, we did a small fundraising, we brought in certain 
uh, investors into our round, and then we will look to do it sometime soon again. So that so you've done kind of angel and seed, and you'd look to do a Series A. Yes. Okay. Correct. Cool. And of that kind of market, are you going for a particular chunk of it? Is there a particular space where you think the opportunity is? The beauty of our business is that it's quite flexible. Mm. You know, in terms of you, we are able to so. In last three years of our journey, mm. we have served over maybe you know a couple of hundreds of corporates. Mm. We have moved everything from chicken to houses. <laughs> uh, you can think of you know yeah. uh, across any kind of vehicle, yeah. whether it's a flatbed or a box truck or a yeah. curtain sided truck. They're actually or a moving physical houses in in China lately. Yeah, so, and, and no, so, there, so you know there are companies which make modular, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, you know, and prefab, we, yeah. So, yeah, prefabricated, uh, you know, stuff. So we have moved everything, wow. you know, on kind of every kind of vehicle, yeah. um, over two hundred locations. You know, uh, if you yeah. pick the locations within the Middle East. Uh, so our journey has been, you know, you know, we have gotten a lot of experience in terms mm. of moving any kind of product across any kind of vehicle, mm. and we wanted to then translate it to, you know, take took that take that experience and you know launch in Pakistan as well, okay. which we did, uh, you know, a few months back. Yeah. So I, actually, we'll talk about that. So Pakistan, you choose there outside of the kind of GCC as a next market. You could have choose, chosen other places. Um, India is relatively bigger than Pakistan in terms of market opportunity. There's also North Africa. There's also other places in Levant. Why why Pakistan? So uh, you're absolutely right. In India, we could have gone to India as well. But India already has like over 200 startups doing this. And, you know, 50 of them have become, you know, really tried and 20 of them have become really big. Mm. And Pakistan is something where we saw the market was very wide open. Okay. Um, you know, I think culturally, both India and Pakistan are very similar in terms of, you know, uh, at the ground level, what we do here. Yeah. Uh, and I, Culturally you know, and kind of industry set up. The kind exactly. Of, the way industry yeah. is set up, the way, you know, the guys who are driving the trucks, uh, you know, mostly uh, these are the same people who are coming from India and Pakistan. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Pakistan, I, I was just kind of following the market for the last year. And it's something uh, we we are very confident in terms of, you know, capturing an immense part of the market share there mm. and creating a real pan Pakistan logistic uh, op operations. Mm. So it was more of a leap of faith. Uh, and during the middle of the pandemic, we went and launched it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you only recently launched? Yeah. Okay. How did you launch in Pakistan? I assume you couldn't travel. Yeah, so look, uh, this is where the digitization and technology have really opened our, you know, eyes uh, and accelerated certain things which we all believe in, right? Mm. Uh, in terms of the connectivity, connectivity with people, uh, and you know, our teams worked really efficiently. We took some very smart steps, and uh, you know, <laughs> in the hindsight, you know, a lot of things we did was you know were like perfect in terms yeah. of how we ended up launching it so we launched in karachi we launched in uh, lahore we have you know other three offices which are opening up this week in faisalabad multan some of the other places wow. we are connecting all the dry ports etc you know all the regular ports uh, industrial areas Amazing. we have a we have a strong team there uh, so that you know things like kind a, of went down very well yeah that sounds like a kind of a all in kind of 
Absolutely. Three, four or five offices in so, a few months. Wherever we expand, you know, whether we are present in UAE or whether we are present in Saudi or yeah. whether we are present in Pakistan, I consider all three of them as our home markets. Yeah. I don't see that one country is our home is market a, and the rest is expansion the rest now. Is, so yeah. we, 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 our, our thesis you is, you know, operate locally, connect globally. Yeah. <laughs> right. So where we, wherever we operate, we are truly in there, in that mm. market. Mm. Interesting. So I, I was going to ask about investments. So, the chunk of investment would go on sort of market setup on the ground. That, that's what you would invest in. The investment would go in, you know, uh, obviously the technology, the setup, uh, hiring the right talent, mm. you know, and then, you know, the rest of the stuff uh, in terms of building the infrastructure around it to be yeah. able to provide uh, the service to okay. our clients. Okay. So but basically uh, in the kind of transport sector, we often uh, think of the kind of, big global companies that are disrupting, say yeah. Tesla and uh, Elon Musk uh, launched something that was like a truck. <laughs> maybe maybe you will have yeah. something that looks like that. But we also we also hear of the trends like automated driving. Uh, I think that company, Nikola, is that their name? They got in a little bit of uh, a spot of butter when they launched a video on YouTube showing the truck driving itself. Yeah, it was fake because the technology couldn't do it. Yeah. So, but but I think what I'm getting at is like, are, are Tesla well placed to do what you're doing, or is it more of a Uber and a Cream in terms of enabler? Uh, and then secondly, like where are we on trends like automation? So I I wouldn't think like you know techna, Tesla and us would like cross paths in terms of what we do because yeah. Tesla is more into. Uh, building the next generation of vehicles, yeah. right? Which is kind of moving from the you know the old school of uh, fuel to the battery operated uh, you know vehicles. So yes, they might come up with you know they might build a great truck which might run on the battery, which might be far more efficient, right? But I just think you know that's still going to be more on the passenger side, on the consumer side, rather than on the on the commercial logistic side at the moment. But do you think that because uh, you know their valuation is quite high and companies who are that big like Google they kind of find a way of of creating a SaaS product and services and getting into other spaces yeah but still I think you know Tesla's uh, you know focus would be again I, I wouldn't be able to yeah. comment but it'll be more you know consumer driven because Car they have a lot of yeah. market to be captured there okay. in terms of trucking even if they build a great truck that's all great for us because we are not in the building of uh, yeah. building the truck right we are in the business of uh, providing the transportation service, right? Yeah. So in terms of whether, you know, autonomous uh, uh, vehicles, when it would come, what would happen around the commercial logistics space, which I frankly think on the commercial side, it's like many years to go. But even if it comes, that doesn't uh, dismantle or disrupt or do anything to our business. Mm. Our business is creating more about load efficiencies, you know, the providing the jobs to the the truck drivers, making sure the customers are able to, uh, get the right price for their shipments, able mm. to you know send their shipments much more efficiently. Mm. So okay, so let's talk about that angle of it then. Uh, you know, there's Uber and Lyft, uh, and there's Kareem in this region, and maybe uh, there's other. They will be in the B two B space potentially. Uh, is do you have a platform that gives drivers jobs? As as you said, and in in that regard, how does that work? Is that sort of uh, in the same way that a, a taxi driver would be? So Uber already has something called Uber Freight, which okay. is uh, kind of similar to what we do. 
yes, so we have all the you know platforms where the driver can have an application, mm. but more than application, we we enable drivers in many other ways, right? Mm. In terms of whatever the comfort level is. Uh, uh, yes, so we do provide, uh, but but what uh, what drivers need or what the transporters need is really or the customers also need is really the understanding of on the ground operations, right? And if you look at Uber versus Kareem uh, back in the day, that's where Kareem really added value from my understanding that they really knew how to operate locally. They connected very well with the local audience, uh, what their requirement was in serving their needs, right? While Uber was kind of building at the global level. Yeah. Uh, and I think uh, it's a similar effort for us in terms of what Uber Freight is doing is still more on the West uh, at the moment mm. versus what we are doing is really capturing the essence on the ground, right? Okay. What what do the companies need in Pakistan on the ground? What do the truck drivers mm. need on the ground? What do people need, uh, you know, the guy who's driving in Riyadh okay. or in Jeddah or in Abu Dhabi or Dubai or, you know, Russell Kaima? Yeah. We are connecting with people on the ground, understanding their pain points and solving their pain points, yeah. right? So, so, so we, you yeah. know, I think that's that's where we add value. And is this an, is this something that they can do with you plus their existing clientele? It's it's not exclusive. It doesn't need to be. It's not exclusive, but they prefer to work through us mm. once they get the taste of you know working with us and they realize yeah. that's far more easier okay. to operate through us versus you know going and finding a job themselves. Is it easier? So there's uh, you might be aware of the Prop Twenty Two, a Californian uh, law recently, where there was a, a a referendum about uh, whether the drivers were uh, employees or not and the benefits that would be provided. Uh, that hasn't come up much in this region. Uh, however, there, there is a question mark over uh, if I'm if I'm working uh, for you with Trucking or with Uber Freight, uh, that they don't provide health benefits and it's not my company. Uh, how do you kind of tackle that one? So look, we haven't faced any of those things as as of now because it's not exclusive. So someone who's not exclusive with us, he is free to work with anyone or do his things independently as well, right? So uh, you know those things we haven't faced. Uh, would you look to provide different uh, benefits for the, your partners? Absolutely, we yeah. would absolutely even without you know a government-driven regulation, mm. we would always be very keen on finding ways on how we can support the ecosystem of mm. transporters, right? Mm. Whether that means from their health checkups to their welfare yeah. to, you know, you know, how do they eat, how do they live and how do they travel and mm. where do they rest? So this is all part of the ecosystem, yeah. which we would look to kind of, you know, add value to. Yeah. So whether, you know, that's a government driven or not, that's definitely an area which we want to focus on. So sort of empower them to kind of Absolutely. generate more business yes. and increase their, their value and their livelihoods. Interesting. Um, so, uh, yeah, so can you explain, we mentioned at the top, a transportation 4.0, uh, just a little bit about that. Look, transportation 4.0 for me is really about, you know, um, creating that efficiency and transparency in the Mm. business. Mm. From the customer perspective, uh, you know, having access to all their logistical requirements or visibility, um, you know, at real time is kind of transportation 4.0. Okay. Uh, The ability to make decisions based on data, real time data is something uh, you mm. know where you would add value on the shipper side 
on the transporter side is the same thing you know 4.0 is you know increasing their asset utilization maximizing the returns on the investment of their own asset right mm. creating that one extra efficiency layer for them how they have been operating all this while again uh, you know being able to do that in a very user friendly manner with the help of technology i think that is a 4.0 movement for me interesting how how do you think from being on the inside of this uh the kind of innovations in transport logistics and the digital transformation that's been accelerated this year is changing uh companies kind of business decisions around warehouses and uh stock and things like that is there is there a shift happening absolutely i think you know um, especially in times like covid uh and you know when the economy goes through such a severe stress test right mm. then the companies have to almost dig deeper to find that extra layer of uh you know cost saving from where they can yeah. bring in yeah. which may, whether that means uh you know not stocking up in terms of your raw materials or inventory mm. uh, and have the true just in time inventory uh, module and uh, so so that's where we kind of come in right instead mm. of so they don't need to pre plan uh you know way in advance someone mm. could could keep pretty much their business in a very variable mode right mm-hmm. and really uh, based on the demand and supply of the economy you can readjust or increase or decrease uh, your uh, production capacities yeah. right and then that's where the true uh, you know an efficient logistic system kind of comes in yeah yeah because uh, going a little bit more into the covid like i think and you might have better stories but there there was examples of companies who were who logistics was one of the issues at the start can we move things around fast do we have the right stock and then other companies um were left with a ton of stock like i think some of the kind of duty free establishments had just loads of stock they didn't know what to do with it and then you've got other ones that almost don't want to take in the orders because they just can't fulfill them and there's border issues there's delays yeah. and things like that um what how do you, how do you think that's planned out and are we still facing a lot of those problems so look i think there were certain sectors who were obviously hit very hard right for example duty free etc which you know there's no no one could do anything about it if the passenger traffic mm. pretty much came down to zero mm. uh but i'll give you a great example of what we did uh in one of the cases where customers were unable to send their products because of the certain border restrictions mm. because we are present in multiple geographies we were able to kind of do reverse logistics so instead of initiating the movement from uae to saudi and you know back and forth yeah. we were able to originate the trucks from saudi coming to uae and then taking the back load uh, the products of you know some of our other customers into saudi mm. so those are the benefits which a smart efficient logistic system kind of brings in into yeah. the market yeah uh, interesting so there is sort of a kind of synergies there absolutely collaboration and partnerships that's a, that's kind of a kind of macro trend around technology and data yes. isn't it been able to kind of um see yeah. technology as i was saying it's always has to be an enabler right it yeah. cannot be a disruptor into anyone's business unless you are building something which kind of goes and adds value mm. to their uh, to the you know any of the stakeholders who are involved in that equation mm. till then you're not really you know unless you do that mm. then you're not adding the value okay sticking with the covid theme and looking to the future what what would your sort of uh how would you describe a perfect scenario for the rollout of a vaccine from a from a transport logistics 
point of view? Well, I think uh, obviously the distribution of vaccine will be an immense logistic challenge, right? Um, because the things which we are reading about that, yeah. you know, certain vaccines might require a certain kind of temperature to be moved in, or different things, uh, yeah. a certain kind of uh, life of that vaccine. Mm. And secondly, think about it, if it's their multiple doses and there are 8 billion people, that means 16 billion doses need to be mm. distributed to the remotest part of the uh, countries, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and in a very controlled manner, right? So it's going to be a massive, massive uh, challenge where which would truly show how technology mm. would support and how people will have to come and collaborate, how mm. several companies will have to collaborate and, you know, really sync, you know, work in a, in a, in a very synchronized manner in terms of providing that service. It's mm. absolutely a very daunting task, task but I think, uh, you know, pretty much all the companies are kind of gearing up for that challenge. Yeah, and in, in what way are they looking at how they normally transport uh, medical supplies are they looking at different types of are they sharing uh freight are they sharing log logistic services and things like that i think there will be you know there will be specific uh, specific vehicles which will be prepared specific because this will this will be a you know multimodal transport right mm. requirement because you know where the man where the vaccines would be manufactured mm. and then you know land transported then airship then again you know, warehouse and then again transported and then again transported in smaller vehicles to, mm -hmm. to the remote part. So it would require a lot of synchronization and, you know, people will have to kind of build all sorts of things, whether it's a, uh, it's a refrigerated facility to refrigerated, uh, you know, they will have to invest in uh, very specific uh, refrigerated vehicles who are meeting certain standards, uh, you know, uh, of food and drug administrations of each country. Uh, so it would it would be a you know a lot of time energy and you know investment into these resources to get this thing done right. Interesting. It'll be fascinating to follow. It will be absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully it will go well. Uh, so yeah. So just lastly, some other trends around smart mobility. Um, what else do you see happening outside of kind of B two B? Like where where are we uh, at the moment? So what do we, what you know? We're coming to the end of the year. It's nearly December. I think look, smart you... <laughs> smart mobility itself is going through a very interesting evolution, right? I mean, smart mobility to us is uh, kind of you know moving around in cool ways, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whether we see <laughs> scooters or you know uh, electric scooters Definitely. and you know those uh, hoverboards or segways or whatever, <laughs> right? <laughs> Pretty much anything which moves, which is yeah. truly you know like providing the hyper local mobility mm, right mm. and i think uh, when when we see what's happening in major metropolitan cities around the world it, this thing is really catching up yeah uh, and and i think it's uh, this is here to stay because mm. it definitely adds a lot of value for short distances in local communities uh, where you need to travel mm. uh, you know all the way from you know once you step out of a metro station and if you need to reach uh, reach to your office you know, or, you know, going back to your home or, you know, kind of hanging out in your own community. Mm. So these things are going to add value. So I'm myself very curious and uh, inquisitive about, you know, yeah. how this will shape up. Yeah, and it is it is related to your space as well, because a lot of the, the regulation that, that's put in place in the UAE and KSA particularly, um, that allows these companies in uh, and to follow is kind of good for, you know, it kind of sets the scene for what you're trying to do. I wouldn't say we both are kind of associated in terms of regulation because we operate in a very two different, okay. completely two different sectors. 
but yes i mean the great thing is the rta here etc have been you know uh, they they follow and they look into regulations very yeah. deeply before uh, launching something yeah so uh, i think you know they have already done that now that many of those new uh, brands which we see out in the uh, on the streets yeah. right interesting um, uh, i mean ksa again i think is an interesting space um, you know big cities lot of population um but we'll have to see how this evolves because the distance, distances are far longer yeah um, and i don't know how much of the hyper local mobility uh, will take off there but i'm pretty sure there will be an interesting uh, yeah interesting observation in the next few months interesting yeah and the other developments that are coming up in ksa yeah. so jd you're a founder of a early stage startup in the middle east uh with a focus on growing across the region um i you you're obviously optimistic and bullish that this emerging market will emerge uh what would your kind of what would your pitch be to investors from outside the region to believe in the region believe in your company and your advice as well for fellow for but uh you know want to be startups so i think from the you know from the middle east point of view you have to look at you know the demographics you have to look at the you know how fast the the government here kind of leads in terms of innovation right and how supportive they are in terms of really when we talk about smart economy digitization etc so it's a very government driven support system right okay. where they kind of encourage you to kind of go and do experiment things um, it's a great uh, unique landscape in the sense that you are not only serving one country but in middle east you are almost serving close to 10 12 countries mm. right so you the, the market space is really large right so you have a lot of consumers you have a lot of uh, businesses you have a huge uh, landscape and the ability to service that is you know amazing right mm. and the region is because... ripe for disruption or yeah. you know as they say in terms of evolution of okay. of the technologies so i'm very excited about the space right yeah um Sorry, you were asking. No, sorry, I just meant, I just wanted to clarify on that point. Is that because of language or proximity? Or, you know, because there isn't a kind of um, there isn't a common uh, trading agreement, or you know, there is not a common trading, but still the things work very seamless, right? Okay. Uh, because they they it's almost like United States of GCC or the United yeah. States of Middle East in terms okay. of how. how everyone kind of works right seamlessly with each other okay um so uh, there's a you know things kind of work very seamless people are, you know countries understand that how they are dependent on each other mm. and there is a big support system around that good observation um in terms of your uh, you know the yeah. advice on on wanna be startups i think uh, or founders i think look if you you do your research very well um, you know don't wait for that perfect time or the perfect product to launch the business because uh, as always you know it will never go according to your plan day one right so you, you know prepare, you know make an mvp and test the market get into the market it's really when you you know roll up your sleeves when you are into the market you start really getting the feel and you, mm. you get punched on the face and then you evolve uh, do not be shy from pivoting do not i mean uh, smart teams evolve fast mm. Mm. Uh, hire the right team build the right culture and as a founder be mentally strong mm. i think mentally strong is a very important trait which is almost like grit right okay um because in this journey no one's going to come and motivate you on a daily basis so you yeah. have to self motivate yourself 
yeah. right? So, uh, I mean, that would be just a quick advice. <laughs> <laughs> that was good advice. I, I, I think a lot of people identify with it in other sectors other than transport. Um, I was going to finish, but it's just very interesting. So when you're, uh, when you're building a company like this and you're speaking to investors, is, you know, obviously there's exits, but do you think we'll see, we saw something recently from NASDAQ in Dubai that you can list here with lower valuations. Do you think that that's a, a kind of a trend that will come and will we see a, an ecosystem around that? Yeah, so creating a boards for SMEs, I think definitely an interesting, uh, you know, in the right direction, what the country is trying to do, what mm. the government is trying to do. See, any form of platforms through which companies or startups or SMEs are able to raise capital mm. in any form uh, is only going to help the ecosystem and is only going to motivate and encourage more entrepreneurs to go out and do something, right? Yeah. And uh, if you are doing something and doing it well, and if the market believes in your company, I mean, that's a great, you know, shot of, yeah. uh, uh, you know, faith yeah. or encouragement for yeah. a company. So I think these are absolutely the right direction. Yeah. I was going to say a vaccine here. shot, yeah. but no. <laughs> Not yeah. necessarily, but maybe, yeah. So it's a good uh, boost. Yes, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Great. Uh, well, thank you so much, JD. Looking forward to follow, keep on trucking. <laughs> bad joke. But looking forward to following the trucking story. It's a cool name. It's a cool company. And you. You, you're a positive, energetic guy. So I'm sure you'll have great success. Thank you, Richard. Thanks for having me. It was lovely chatting with you. Thank you. That's it for another episode of Dubai Works. Thank you so much for listening. And please leave a review on the podcast platform that you're listening to. It really helps with organic searches. Also, if you'd like to appear on Dubai Works or know someone who has an inspiring business story in Dubai, please do get in touch on any of the smashy social platforms.